we were just like, stuff it. Let's go online and see what businesses are for sale. <gasps> and so, kind of just... Kia ora, I'm Brenda Brown, and welcome to Waheni in Progress, the podcast. A space for my personal development junkies to tap into their full potential and true badass Wahine self. Here to motivate you on mindset, finance, business, relationship, physical and mental health, and so much more. Wherever you are in your journey, Wahine in Progress is here to activate the conversations to bring you closer to your true, authentic, mogul mindset. Wahine in Progress is here to create an atmosphere and community that will get in behind you and bring you closer to what you want, who you are and where you want to be. So, let's get into it. Kia ora e ho mai and haere mai, haere mai. Welcome to another episode of Waheni in Progress, the podcast with me, your host, Brenda Brown. Today's episode is going to be super exciting, well, for me anyway, why you ask, rhetorical of course, but today I have a special guest on the potty. She is a mama, a boss babe, CEO, entrepreneur. She is an unstuck self-motivator who... Let me drop a few details before I actually drop her tagline and her name, guys. So she's originally born and bred in Awanui Kaitaia, right up there in the far north, Totoko that. And she was a single mama who decided to cross that threshold. We spoke about this in the last episode of Limiting Belief. She decided to cross that threshold, get herself unstuck and to pursue something that would be a lifelong career for her and bring her to her successes that she is in today. So... This specific field did involve training, and by training, I mean her traveling eight hours with a brand new baby, not even one yet, so that she could do her training, do what she needed to do. 11 years, fast forward, and she is now a CEO and a founder of her own boutique salon in Whangarei, which if you're from the far north or from Northland, you know that Whangarei is like the Auckland of Northland and far north. So it is such a big, big deal. I'm so grateful to have her on this podcast. So let's get into a bit of a all with her. Before we get into everything and jump into this exciting conversation, I just want to throw a bit of a disclaimer out there. I did have Hunter with me, who is my youngest peepee. So if there's any inconsistencies in today's podcast, blame it on the baby. <laughs> let's get into it. So without further ado, I'll get you to introduce just a little bit about yourself, Sarah. Kia ora, my name is Sarah. I am 29. I am a mum to a soon-to-be 11-year-old and a co-owner of a boutique hair salon in Whangarei, Northland. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you own, like co-founded and co-own your salon. So I've known Sarah for a, a long time. I think she is the first person that I independently went flatting with. So the, the cool <laughs> thing is um, we're both from a small town. So whereabouts are you from and where did you go to school? So I am from Kaitaia, grew up most of my early childhood in Awanui. Went to primary school in Awanui um, and then my family moved into town um, I think I was at intermediate. Um, when I was growing up, my parents owned a local dairy in Awanui. So, yeah, I spent most of my days there and then did my intermediate and high school years in Kaitaia. 
And coming from like a provincial town like Kaitai in the far north, if, if no one's too familiar with where that is, or Awanui, because usually if people ask you where mm. Awanui is, you have to say like five yeah. minutes from Kaitai or something like that, eh? Yeah, I, I have like the signboard just pre-recorded in my mind. I'm like, it's eight kilometres north of Kaitai. <laughs> that is straight. <laughs> so being from a small provincial town, how do you think that affected your outlook on life and what you could achieve? Do you think it affected it in any way? Yeah, I guess you're always kind of like you you almost have this kind of little expectation that you're not really going to go far or do a lot unless you get out of that little town. Um, I think a lot of people from up there will know that Kaitai and, and the surroundings don't really offer a lot for young people or young people wanting to grow or or create a career. Um, but then, yeah, like a lot of the times I guess people do have to leave those kinds of towns to progress and be what they want to be or do what they want to do. But you always have the odd one or two who find find a way to make it through in those little towns. But, yeah, it, it is hard trying to fight a stigma, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. It's almost like, um, I mean, we can see some of our, f- our friends from from back up north, well, anywhere really, even in bigger towns, mm. but it's almost like there's a set template for if you're a Māori female of where you will fit into in society, whether it's being like a mama or be, and and everything kind of stems off that. So that's why I think that what you've done, not just putting aside motherhood so that you could do what you've, like, achieve everything that you've achieved, but you endured motherhood and you set yourself up to achieve everything that you've achieved. So I'll yeah. I'll get into one of my first questions, and it's what is a challenge that you're facing at the moment? I think at the moment, like, a lot of my kind of time and life is, is evolved around my business. So at the moment, like, I find it really hard not to compare myself or my business with others. I always struggle with thinking, like, you know, what have I done? Is this enough? Or could I have done that better? I'm always assessing things, thinking, could I have done it differently? That would have had a better outcome. How can I be like that someone down the road? Like, you know, they just seem to have it all going on. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's silly because we get taught um, from, like, even a young age not to compare ourselves and just to kind of focus on what you are doing or what you're wanting to do. But... It's really silly, but it's just something I kind of, kind of can't help doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's because how many? There'll be a few salons, and because you're located in Carmore in Whangarei, eh? Um, on Carmore Road in Kenton. Yeah. So just kind of in in between there and town, um, we are kind of the only one. In the immediate area, I know there's like some home-based salons around our area, but we are the pretty much the only um, salon front that is in that area. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've honestly, I've got so much questions of to like how you did it, when you did it, what you did, but before we jump into that side of things. So you're a qualified hairdresser 
you started in Rotorua. I know this because we were, <laughs> well, we were flirting together before the move, possibly, and then during the move. But you're fully qualified. So what? What kind of sparked that interest of becoming a hairdresser? Like I know there's a lot of people that like to cut hair or they do this or that, but actually taking a step forward, moving what Rotorua is like eight to nine hours. Yeah, from from Kaitaia. Yeah, from your home base and then pursuing training, studying. And then because it's not just at the cert A, like you have to go and be an apprentice and put the hard yards yeah. in. Yeah, so you've got to get like on the floor experience. You've got to do hours as such. Like you've got to get your sign-offs that can only be done on the floor in a commercial salon. Um, yeah, like it's so much more than just going to course every day and like playing on mannequins and I think there yeah within our industry like there is this kind of big stigma around it so it will be cool to get some of it like get some of this out there and and to make people see that hairdressing isn't just like a fun job it is fun I know, like, yeah 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 <laughs> I mean, I think anyone who knows who has gone to just a random, like a random pick hairdresser and asked for ombre or balayage, I think that they know that there's technique and skill required to, for a good outcome. Yeah. Like, it's not just something that you can YouTube. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm being... Yeah, so I definitely know that that's not the case at all. But so tell us about where you did your training and how old were you and and was there something that happened when you were the age or or anything else that real that really sparked your interest and that made you think like this is what I I want to pursue? Yeah, um well like when I was younger I always kind of had had a a passion for hairdressing or just like I saw the fun side of it as you do and thought, you know, it would be a cool career and I would enjoy it. But funnily enough, I was pretty lucky to have a good friend who always pushed and motivated me. Um, I actually remember on the morning, I think it was my 17th birthday, I'd already moved out of home and I was flatting with this friend and she came into my room like all chipper and happy and I was like half aw- half awake like oh my god like, what are you doing as she did yeah <laughs> but holding a perfectly wrapped present and um I just remember kind of and I'm pretty sure like even maybe I was lucky enough to get a coffee <laughs> work out finally <laughs> so I opened up my present and inside amongst all of it there was a pair of scissors and I was like, actually, you know what? I think this really is going to be, like, my path. And if someone, like, if my friend can push me this hard, I really need to push myself harder, like, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of just it, it kicked off a series of events that would eventually lead me to where I am today. That's so funny. I so remember that because, like, I'm not, I'm not taking the... Um, what's it called when something I'm not taking like the sentimentality of it out of it or anything but I I used to work at 
a chemist up north called Final Pharmacy, so I had like a 10 or 20% discount or anything. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm going to get. And I remember getting like a, um, like a bathroom bag, like a vanity bag. And then I had like a hairspray or something. And then some, they were the, the scissors that you find. I think that they were like the manicure brand or something like that or C- yes. QVS or something like that. So it was like, <laughs> like, I don't think you would actually use those scissors professionally, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the thought, you know. It's the <laughs> exactly. It. Yeah. These scissors, they sit in my little drawer, and if I need to cut any tags off or if I need to <laughs> they come out. <laughs> so, so my final pharmacy discount does not discount the intention I put into that present. <laughs> hey young flatting desperate times desperate measures (laughs) and then so your 17th birthday was before you had your PP which is Nico not a PP anymore (laughs) and but then so like fast forward timeline you and your partner you had Nico and then fast forward even further and you still took the initiative and, like, I can say that you actively took your life into your own hands and you made things happen. Because if you would have just stayed stagnant and situated yourself where you were, where you were, what you were doing, because you were quite comfortable. I mean, like, being an 18-year-old with a PP, I mean, like, you had your own car, you had nice things, like, you, 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 yeah. you, had your, you were working at that time as well. But, like, you could yeah. have stayed comfortable? Totally. And, like, I just remember thinking it got to the point where I just thought, actually, I it was especially after I had had Nico and I'd finished my maternity leave and I'd gone back to work. And I just remember looking around and thinking, actually, I, I don't want this for the rest of my life. Like, it's no offence to anyone that works at supermarkets, but I just thought I do not want to work at Pack and Save for the rest of my life. And I really want to change and this whole thing around like being a statistic and I don't want to be a statistic just because I've had a baby at a young age. Yeah, like I can't just remain stagnant here. Yeah, yeah, that's so true because, I mean, if you were passionate about following a career in um, food stuff, that's something that you, you could have done because you were fast-tracked. I mean, you were checkout operator, supervisor. Like, you could have kept climbing if that was your passion, but it obviously wasn't, and then that's why you re- mm-hmm. you redirected and you pivoted. And, I mean, you were, moved all the way to Rotorua. So I've got a cheat sheet like I mentioned in the intro, of, like, age of events and stuff like that, but just letting all the listeners know. So how old was Nico when you shifted to um, to well, South Waikato so that you could pursue training in Rotorua? And how old were you? Because I think I think these are really important because, like, like we said, there's, like, I did a podcast about limiting beliefs. Sometimes we can limit ourselves to what we think mm. is possible because we don't want to make ourselves uncomfortable. But, I mean, you did that. So how old were you and how old was Bubba? Yeah, so I I think Nico would have been, he wasn't even one, I think he was only about 10 months old and I would have been 19. 
And yes, I remember like telling my parents and they were just heartbroken, <laughs> heartbroken that I was going to take their little muckle away and worried I wasn't even going to care for him because I was still a baby myself. And yeah, like it's, it's quite crazy to look back now and think like, oh my gosh, I actually did. I, as a 19 year old, I moved eight hours of all my family yeah. and my home and yeah, persevered on this this hard trick of becoming where I am today. So that's so that's probably part of my next question. But I was going to say, what were some of the obstacles that you did face to 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 do what you're doing now? Um, yeah, like yeah, try, trying to raise a baby and study full time. Um, when when I first moved, like when I first moved from Kaitai down to Tokoroa driving from Tokoroa to Rotorua every day was like, I think it's about 40 minutes. So having to organise not only like my baby, but myself. And at one one point I was carpooling with some other girls um, that were also studying. And so I, I, it then wasn't just me and like, oh, you know, my baby's sick, I don't want to go to course today. Or, oh, I can't be bothered. Like yeah. I, I still had the other girls that I, I couldn't let down either, as well as obviously my my tutors and my own progression on my course but yeah having a baby was definitely the hardest obstacle and then because I was so young like I still had other dramas that 19 year olds deal with as well that in hindsight are really dumb but at the time like the end of the world whether it's like boy troubles or friend troubles or like just yeah and it's crazy because, like, just putting it out there, I was the only person you knew moving, like, seven, eight hours away from home and stuff. Like, you left your whole support system. And yeah. and so, oh, I don't know if it's this may have been part of it, but you almost had to succeed. So you had to keep pushing mm. forward because you had sacrificed so much to bring you and your pee down this far. Like, it... it that's why I'm just like, like I, in hindsight, I can't believe that yeah. you, as a 19-year-old, did everything that you did to to be where you are now. Like, it really is, yeah. was hard yakka, like, you, if you think back to everything that you, that you had to do. Totally, that's it. And, yeah, and you're right, it is that whole, it's like that extra determination of because I have done, I've, I've kind of made this big bold move of of actually moving and going where I had no support system except for my one good friend and yeah like it, there was there was no option to fail and there was no option to give up like I had to succeed no matter what no matter how hard or trialing things were just that was my only option and then it's crazy because even though we've we've talked about this much of your journey it's only it's only like a, a small part of it. They're still like mm. developing your so after training, and then you still had to do your apprenticeship, get your hours in there. Um, how many salons did you work at in in between training and then owning your own salon? Um. So all up, it would have been. Five five salons, yeah. From like thinking back from my apprenticeship right up to the point where I became um, 
my own boss and went into business. Yeah, five salons. That's Which actually is that, I've actually only just said that out loud now, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I know that's some good work experience. So, what what motivates you to keep hustling? And I mean, you obviously started from one point, so you're this, at the start of this journey was one point, and it started in Kaitaia with your baby, nothing else, and then getting all the way to now. So, you're a homeowner with your partner. You've owned your own home before that point. You're a business owner as well, and then and you care for two children as well, along with everything else with work-life balance in between. So so what do you think motivates your hustle to get from point A to point B? Well, I think, like, definitely giving our kids the best that we can give them. Um, Like, growing up, if I reflect on my childhood, my parents were a bit older when they had me. My mum was 40 and my dad 45. So they... They had their head screws on, screwed on and they knew kind of what they were doing, where they were in life. And as a, as a kid, I never went without. So naturally, I want our kids to have the same privileges um, that I had as a child. But also the example I have for my parents, you know, when I was a kid, my parents always owned small businesses from like a dairy to a fish and chip shop and a lunch bar. And as early as I can remember... I always worked in the shops, whether it was taking the Friday night fish and chip order or restocking shelves or serving customers, cleaning, and, like, as much as that sounds like child labour, it actually helped to cultivate the strong work ethics that I have today as well as create some really special memories for me. And I think every, every just about everyone can say, like, we all really look up to our parents and we don't really notice or kind of get it until we have kids of our own and we have our own families and mm-hmm. our own houses to run and business and work. Like, you really kind of notice the sacrifice your parents made and then it almost becomes like this cycle that is just naturally instilled in, in me or these kids or and it, it just, yeah, like, it, it's... It's not a bad thing. It's like a good cycle to kind of have have to get going in your kids from an early age. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, It's like nature versus versus nurture. So nature is like, it's almost like you inherited Mm. ethics from your parents. But I remember because when we were both at high school and we both worked at Pick and Save, on my part, I worked at Pick and Save for fun so that I could hang out with my friends for 4.5 hours after school. <laughs> but on your part, you worked at Pick and Save and you were because I remember driving through BP or something and you were in BP as well. And I was like, what the heck? What's Sarah? And then you started p- pumping someone's gas. Like, so you, you're always used to grinding for, for things and for money or yeah. whatever else it was. Like you were at high school and you had two jobs, plus you had other commitments. <laughs> on the side of things so to say that work ethic would be like a cornerstone for you would that be true yeah totally it's funny too I think back to like you know being 15 16 or even from 14 actually I had my first job at 14 so 14 15 16 at a point working two jobs doing after school activities like 
And I think now, like, oh, man, I complain. Like, I'm so tired all the time. <laughs> I don't have time to do anything. I need to think back to that 14, 15, 16-year-old girl and remember <laughs> that I can do a lot more. <laughs> um, so speaking of good old packies, because we're, we were pack-and-save checkout operators way back when um, when they had cheers. I, now now they have to stand up, but we had cheers, and I have to throw this in there because I think it's hilarious. But when me and Sarah first met each other, we didn't even like each other. <laughs> but that's the meme. That's how yeah. all. That's how the best friendships start. Yeah, <laughs> it, it so is. Yeah, it's so funny. But if you were at the supermarket. And someone bumped into you and then they asked you, like, oh, what are you doing now, as they do? What would you say? Because I feel like in New Zealand, tall poppy syndrome is a major thing. So we kind of want to, like, put ourselves out there and say, like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Because it it literally is what you're doing. But then you almost Mm. have to, like, pause and kind of retract it and, and be, like, a bit more demure about all your achievements, which is bullshit. But but if someone asked you that, what would you say? Oh, a hundred percent. And like this, this is that awkward question. And I don't have any problems admitting that I am like a reserved person. Um, but when this situation does come up, you're right. Like I almost get like quite fucking mad about it because I'm like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, yeah. um, I'm just here dressing in fine. Like, yeah, like, so what are you doing? I'll, I'll turn the conversation back on them. Like, tell me about your life, but. It's only people that really know me. I'll be like, yeah, I've got my own salon. Like, come see me for an appointment. Hit me up on social. Check me out. And, like, it's, yeah, it's it's just crazy. I, I don't know why I get like that or why a lot of us get like that because we should all be proud of the achievements that we've made. But, I mean, who really actually enjoys tooting their own horn? It, it is a hard thing. <laughs> Such a such a Kiwi thing though because I remember um listening to Erna Bassoon. She was like a contestant on the New Zealand Apprenticeship Apprentice, yeah, the New Zealand Apprentice, and she was um doing an interview and she said. We don't do that in South Africa. In South Africa, everyone's saying, oh, I've got this, I own my own bank. Like, my house has this many stories. It has a pool, it's got this, it's got that. Um, I'm really successful. I'm making six figures. I've got this many children and I'm managing to still do... So she said that when she came to New Zealand and everyone wasn't doing that, it's not a normal thing. If anything, you almost get, like, like shunned for doing that. She was just like... yeah. I think we can all agree that that the mindset in New Zealand is a bit a bit effed when it comes to yeah. that side of things. Yeah, it is. And, like, I think the more kind of people realise that, I mean, yeah, you'll still have someone that will be like, oh, you know, look at me, I've done this, I've achieved that, and I'm so great. But nine times out of ten, most people, if they're talking about their achievements, like, they're actually really proud to share it with you. It's not that that you're trying to be, like, show off or, like, build your ego up. And I think it is something that should be... We should be able to talk about comfortably in, in like, just a normal conversation. Yeah. Like how you, yeah. you would ask me, how are you? What did you get up to on the weekend? What did what do you get up to on the weekend? What's your work-life balance like? Do you, do, do you get any time for yourself or is it... 
business and then admin and then family and kids or? Yeah, pretty much it has been. Um, but coming into my third year in business, I finally realised I, I can't keep doing everything like I was. Otherwise, I was quickly heading towards a total burnout. And, yeah, I had some changes, like, in my personal life that kind of took the rose glasses off and made me decide that, no, things, they need to change and they actually need to change now. So now I try and structure um, my work schedule around, like, school drop-offs, pickups. I take time off of things I need to, um, things that I need to do other than trying to cram it all in on my days off. And I just, I don't even feel guilty anymore. That's so good. You shouldn't. <laughs> and it's, yes, it also means like when I am at work, I am go, go, go. There's just no time to stop. But it's a win-win because before I know it, the workday's over and that's it. I'm out of there. But, of course, like I'm still going to be doing admin stuff at home. Um, that's just the reality of owning a business. Yeah. But I think in in the times that we are in and going through these lockdowns with COVID, it's it's kind of made people realise that sometimes we just have to say no and put our foot down. And not feel guilty about slowing down. Yeah. 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 So So, what's some advice you'd give for your sixteen year old self? Oh my god, just just a couple plays. Yeah. Don't don't take up too much of the 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 podcast. (laughs) No. Oh, I think, well, yeah, I think at, at 16, I I kind of then knew I did want to be a hairdresser, but I mucked around as you do when you're young. So if I could give a piece of advice to my 16-year-old self, it would be to like get moving, go after that career dream and don't muck around because if you really know deep down what you want to do, there's no, I think there's no point wasting any time because the earlier you get started, the more time you have to achieve it. And, hey, really, the earlier you can kick your feet up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's so true. So, uh, 16 yeah, to now, think- what's something, what's, has there been a failure or, like, or a big business mistake that you've made and what have you learned from it? I think business-wise, like, I mean, going into business, it was a real... I'd never planned it. I, I kind of, I, I mean, everyone's always got a bit of a dream that, yeah, you know, one day I want to have my own business and work for myself. And I always kind of had that in the back of my mind. But how how my business partner and I kind of stumbled into business when I look back now was kind of really silly. <laughs> we were <laughs> just, <laughs> we had just worked like a Christmas rush. We'd been doing like 12-hour days and, like working extra weekends and late nights and we weren't having lunch breaks because that's that's like the ugly side of our industry. And um, I remember like one night, I think it was the last day of the year, we had a drink at my house and we were like, you know what, this actually fucking sucks. Like why are we working this hard for someone else what do we even get out of it and like there's no thanks there yeah at the time we just had a really stink boss and um we were just like stuff it let's go online and see what businesses are for sale <gasps> and so <laughs> kind of just, <laughs> yeah 
And we, I remember there was literally one salon for sale in Whangarei. And we're like, okay, let's go suss it out. And so we, we ring out this lady and we're like, yeah, we're keen to like come and look at your salon. And she naturally being like a seasoned business owner, she was like, yep, cool. So like you're going to have to sign a non-disclosure form. Um, I won't release anything to you. I will release it to your accountant from my accountant. And we were like, yeah, that's fine. My business Game partner, face she, on it. <laughs> yeah, she was the game face that, that pulled us through all of this. She's like, yeah, totally. Yep, I'll do it. I'll have my accountant contact your accountant. And then it all kind of just, yeah, blew up. And then there were like ups and downs, roller coasters throughout the whole thing. I mean, it's it's like any kind of sale and purchase. Like even if you're buying a house, it's up and down. You never know if it's going to go or not. Yeah. It eventually went through and we were really naive. We were like, yeah, cool. We're going to like... You know, all of our clients are going to follow us. and We're just so amazing. Like, it, yeah, we were a little bit silly. Um, but thankfully, hard work paid off and we really had to work our butts off and, like, build our business up from scratch because, yeah, it, it was it was a pretty crazy time. Oh, but, my gosh. But do you think that um, being naive actually helped you like as a blessing in disguise because if you knew everything for that short span of time of the contract and like getting your business up and running and stuff do you think that you would have done it like it would have been like without knowing the rewards that you have now like if you knew that it was going to be that hard would you have actually done it Probably not. We would have just been like, oh, well, I guess we'll just have to have Friday night wines and moan about it. Yeah, so in in hindsight, naive, it was a good thing in the end. And um, I I was just so petrified. Like, I think I really have to do credit my business partner for where I am now as well because if it wasn't for her pushing me as well, I would – not have probably taken that step on my own. I maybe would have like ended up probably renting a chair in another salon somewhere or having maybe something little from home. But yeah, like if it wasn't for her being like real ballsy and real good poker face. That's crazy, but that that's a good crazy. Wow. So are, is there any, are there any quotes that you kind of take on day to day or do you have a favourite quote? Not really. I'm not really a quote kind of person. I remember actually, it's funny, my business partner and I at work today, we were having this conversation. I heard like years ago when we were working together in another salon and she was like, I think she was like the apprentice at the time and she was just so nice to everyone and she was just like a real little goody two-shoes. And I remember saying to her like, oh my gosh, Cheyenne, you know, you actually, you're so nice, it makes me sick. I can never do that now. <laughs> And we were laughing away about it today. And I was thinking, what a dickhead. Like, why did she go into business with me? I sounded like such a dickhead. <laughs> but I think, like, yeah, it's like, I'm not really a quote thing, but I guess the whole cliche thing, like, whatever's meant to be will be. Yeah, that's so true. I'm such a believer in that saying, or else. Or actually kind of, like, get swallowed into any of the bad things that happen, but then you kind of have to think of it as a stepping stone towards giving you the good things or bringing you yeah. peace or granting resilience or something like that. 
So yeah, I love that saying. That's probably one of my favorite quotes. Well, that comes to the end of our podcast, Korero. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation and have this korero with all the wahine that listen to this podcast because I've got to tell you, the, the listens on the podcast have been ticking over like I'm in triple digits now, which is well, like pretty cool. But um, where can our listeners well, find you? Well, you want to find me on Instagram or TikTok. It is We Are Retro Hair Design. Um, and then Facebook is just Retro Hair Design. And yeah, TikTok, I mean... We need some followers on TikTok, so don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone get over to, um, what is it? We Are Retro. We Are Retro Hair Design. That's us. Yay. Well, hopefully we'll see you over on that channel and I can't wait to have another chat with you. Probably see you up north sometime. Yes, I'm so keen. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Oh, baby.